Hi, I'm Steve Marcil in Portland, Oregon, on my way to Cape Disappointment. I'm going to ride this bike 3,700 miles across the country to Portland, Maine, in order to raise money for a fellowship that will allow young people to learn about angel investing and entrepreneurship. In other words, help them create an entrepreneurial mind. It's sort of like the non-Hollywood version of Shark Tank. So check out my website, bizinmotion.org, to learn about our fellowship program and to follow the ride. We're gonna be interviewing entrepreneurs and other characters along the way. So hopefully you'll find some really fun stories about the Odyssey and you'll enjoy following the ride. And also please consider donating. Check that subscription button and follow the ride. Please support this cause. Thanks. This is Steve Marcil, and I'm in Red Wing, Minnesota. And for those out there who don't know what where Red Wing, Minnesota is, it's just south of Minneapolis, about 45, 50 miles. Sits along the beautiful Mississippi River. It's a, a port town. People may have bought or know about Red Wing shoes. But Red Wing is more than just shoes <laughs> and more than a port city. It's becoming a fintech center. And we have Susan Langer, the CEO of Live, Give, and Save, who has a fintech application that she is bringing out to the world, and we're going to learn and talk about that. And one of the reasons we're here in Red Wing is because we have an angel group called the Golden Triangle Fund, and Susan's company at Live, Give, Save was their first investment back in about 2018. So Susan has been an entrepreneur going through all the trials and tribulations of founding a company and developing the company, and she recently uh, sold the company to a strategic investor, and there was a big community celebration last night. So we're going to talk about that journey. So hi, Susan. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me here today. It's a pleasure to see you again. Yes. And uh, last night was a lot of fun. It sure was. It was amazing to see all the people come out and to make the connections with everyone. And thank you for standing up and saying a few words when you didn't even know that you were going to do that. <laughs> well, it was pretty easy uh, being able to stand up and talk about you and the organization, what you've done. So the first question I have a little bit is just just tell everybody a little bit about what give, uh, Live, Give, and Save is and about your application, Spave, and how it works. Yeah, so Live, Give, Save was formed out of an idea that came to me when I traveled to Africa in 1995. And I met women living in abject poverty who were micro-entrepreneurs receiving micro-loans and they were paying them back at a 99% repayment rate. At the time, I was marketing the nation's largest credit card portfolio and I can tell you we were not seeing those kinds of returns. Instead, we were seeing you know, a, a dearth of savings and you know, an acceleration of spending. And I thought, hmm, how can we take the principles of microfinance and micropayments and apply them to help people more easily save and more easily give? So that's how the idea all came about. So when was it that you went to your uh, immediate family, I'm thinking probably your spouse, <laughs> yeah. and said, honey, I have this dream or vision or idea, what do you think about it? And by the way, it's gonna, you know, we're gonna have to put some money into this thing. So tell me a little bit about when, when you had that conversation and how did that go? That was interesting to say the least. Um, my husband is risk averse, first of all. He worked for the state of Minnesota almost his whole career for 28 years and has since retired from the state of Minnesota. Um, and he, you know, he trusted me and I assured him it was just gonna be like three years we would be able to get out of this. And that wasn't the case, of course. Um, we ended up uh, draining my entire IRA. Um, we also had to mortgage our house. 
um, to secure it with some financing that we got here from the Redwing Port Authority. Um, and not only did we not pay the loan back on time at the Port Authority, thank goodness they gave us an extension, but we were unable then to secure a home equity loan because our, our mortgage, our home was, um, had a lien on it. So that caused consternation with my husband for sure, but with all of the support that we were getting from other individuals, other family members, friends, and the Golden Triangle, that gave him some assurance that there, were, there was going to be funding out there to get us through to the next level, and sure enough, it did. So I wanna thank the Golden Triangle for investing in, investing in us and investing in me and believing in what we could do so that we could celebrate last night. Well, the Golden Triangle, it was formed to back people like you. So for folks that don't exactly know what we do, uh, the Appalachian Investors Alliance and myself form angel funds and communities and bring wealthy individuals together to form a formal fund that then tries to invest their capital in uh, emerging and, and potential entrepreneurs with growth opportunities in their community and in their region. And Susan was really their first step into that world, really. And, and at the end of the day, they invested because they trusted Susan to do the best she could to get this off the ground and, and fight through all the barriers and obstacles and, and, and get to a point where this could get launched and be successful and they had a chance of getting their money back. And you've done that, so congratulations. Thank you. Just uh, walk me through a little bit the kind of the, a little bit of the, you did this last night, kind of the phased in and out of the history, you know. You, so you, you started it in 2016, I believe, uh, and then uh, you did some things, and then you did a round of financing in about 2018, because I think that's when the Golden Triangle came in, and just kind of walk through the basic kind of phases from start to acquisition. Yes, and you know, you asked me last night if you were in the first round or the second round. If it was 2018, it was the second round because we, um, I started the germination of the idea and I left General Mills. Uh, um, we had started a nonprofit out of their foundation and we had launched it and it had been four or five years and so it was ready. It was on its own, had its own wings. Um, I then decided I wanted to venture out on my own and that was 2015 and I started talking to the nerdery and getting some ideas about that. and. As you're looking at things and you know that you need to raise some money, you have to have a bank account. In order to get a bank account, I had to have some financials. In order to get a loan from the Port Authority, I had to have the business plan and the financials. So I started to do all of those things and meeting with all of those different people. I think we probably even met sometime in there mm -hmm. when I was here at, at um, Red Wing Ignite after meeting Neela Molgard. So once I got those things in line, I could incorporate. So you didn't have a fully formed, you had a concept of what you wanted to do, not a fully formed business strategy exactly. necessarily. Yeah, and then we had people here from Red Wing Ignite that um, joined me at a workshop um, at the Nerdery. This was in 2015. So explain what the Nerdery is. Oh, for sorry, yes. Folks the know. Nerdery is a, a development firm, and at that time they really helped. They were a startup um, technology development firm, so they helped people develop their technologies or companies. So, so, there's, so their actual software and their code, they did coding and that? They did coding, yes. They, yeah. um, they helped us with our first prototypes. Mm -hmm. So um, we had two prototypes with them. But before we could do a prototype, we had to do a design thinking workshop. Mm -hmm. And so I brought people, um, Sherry Chorney from the Port Authority, Neela Molgard from Red Wing Ignite, Kirsten Ford, a marketing um, specialist, my chair, chair of the board at the time, um, Mark Thine from the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center. All of us got together and then we did this two-day session of design thinking and so that they could formulate a prototype for us. That prototype then was used to present to investor groups like the Golden Triangle 
or to the Smith Foundation, Southern Minnesota Initiative. And they have, um, the Southern Minnesota Initiative has grants. So that's perfect for a startup because then you don't have to pay that back, right? Yeah, right. So then, um, but we didn't get a grant <laughs> from them yet until later on. But with that prototype, then you go to the next level. So then now we got a prototype. I did raise money from family and friends, $207,500. That then got me to the next level to create a beta. And a beta is actually your application, but not with live data. Yeah, so just to rewind a little bit for everybody that's listening in. The first thing, so you had the idea, and you had these different community assets that helped you. And for, for we mentioned Red Wing Ignite. Red Wing Ignite is a nonprofit uh, for the city of Red Wing, but reaches out around the region, and it's an economic development organization. And, and I like to say they're, they're really a leader in convening uh, the right people, mm-hmm. business and entrepreneurs, to get things done mm-hmm. in the region, help people get capital, raise capital, you know, germinate their idea into a real opportunity. That's what they do. So you had, so you had this nerdery, and you had this concept, and, and you had a little bit of money, and you mm-hmm. developed the first sort of beta, potential beta. Mm-hmm. We also then, so what did you use those funds for is the, is the question, you know, I get 207,000, so we used that for the beta, but we also did, I, I missed a little piece in there, which is we conducted focus groups, so primary mm-hmm. research. Those focus groups um, validated our concept and helped shape a little bit of some of the branding and the messaging that we would do, and uh, formulated um, how the, uh, the app needed to perform the user experience, if you will. So we used what, what we did with the design thinking group and then what we, what we learned from our focus groups to create then that beta. And the beta then um, app that we used, we created a um, uh, beta champions, control beta champions, and that was comprised of the Red Wing Shoe Company, you mentioned them early mm-hmm. on. Um, the Red Wing uh, YMCA and the Red Wing Credit Union. All three of those um, are involved in the, the, the integration piece of it. So you have a financial institution, you have a nonprofit, and you have an employer. Uh, employees like to um, give back to their community. So we allowed the employer to choose the nonprofit that they wanted to give back to. So we had a handful of employees from Red Wing Shoe and the Red Wing Credit Union that wanted, and the Red Wing Credit Union was watching you know, how does this work? Could we take that into our credit union and integrate that into our, our mobile app? So, so let's talk a little bit before we go on about um, exactly what the app does and, and, so, and, and the branding of the app. But uh, walk us through if, you know, exactly what your, your application does for the consumer of that application. Great. So I'm not sure of your audience, but I'll just say this real quick and then pull it all together. But our app really is several apps all in one. It functions like Mint, which is a budget app, Acorns, which rounds up spare change and puts it into a mutual fund, Digit, that has an algorithm that's designed to watch your income and your spending, what's going in and out of your checking account, and then they decide for you what they'll take from your checking and put into your savings. That's kind of scary, but it's pretty cool, and I guess it works. Um, and then there's also the United Way that, that gives back to the community and Venmo. So in our app, instead of opening, opening up five apps, you open up one app and you can do all of that and more. So that's the function of what it does. So that the idea is to help people use their spending. So the spending is the igniter. So we go about our day and we spend, 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 and we don't really even think about it. We never feel like we have enough to give um, at the end and we're not saving as a society. That, that um, is shown by statistics. but. With this now, every time you spend, you can save for your future or give to the causes that you care about without changing your behavior. So that's how it works. So it's a little bit like, uh, some people might be familiar when they go to the 
local co-op food place or some other place and they said you want to round up yeah you know so it's in a way it's a little bit like you taking control of how you want to use that roundup for essentially your benefit whether it's put it put some money in savings you make sure you're automatically putting money in savings as you spend without thinking about it so you're truing up to your savings or truing up to your retirement account or truing up to a cause that you want to support based on your spending habits. And that's what makes this application unique. Not only is it all these things in one, mm -hmm. it changes a little bit the paradigm on how you go about saving for the things that will be important to you. Exactly, well, there's a lot of talk um, out, in the, out in the ether, I guess, if you will, about financial wellness. Many people talk about financial wellness, financial wellness, and when I was doing the research on this, I came to realize when you look at financial wellness, they're analyzing, you know, your spending, your mortgage, your credit, your insurance, everything except giving. And I thought, that is insane. Why would you not look at giving when you're looking at, at an, an analysis of financial wellness? We know that when we give, there are health benefits to giving. I mean, there's, there's things that go off in your brain, the serotonin and whatever all that is. It is so important. And so we also, in our research that we recently did with consumers, we learned that they don't necessarily, consumers don't necessarily include giving in their formulation of their model of financial, personal financial management, which I thought was astounding. But in reality, it is. So there's an opportunity for education with yeah, it. Yeah. So you get income and that income goes out in how you spend it and how you give it away and how you save it. So yeah. we wanna use our tool on your current behavior and show you how you can create a budget and how you can make little changes and adjustments that will help you live um, your purpose. Sure, yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense because what you're saying is really a lot. You know, most people, when they write their little household budget, they don't necessarily have in their, you know, giving. Right. Or they don't have, you know, like rent they have and insurance they have yeah. and food, but they don't have giving necessarily or they don't have savings even. And this helps them do that. That's terrific. So, so, th so then you, you had to do the beta. And I think it was probably, a, I think it might have been helping to fund the beta that when uh, Golden, when you did the second tranche. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this was a convertible debt instrument kind of thing that you ran. I think you raised that for the beta and that was about 2018. Is that, yep, am I tracking correct. right? You are tracking right, yes. Okay. And then now tell me, so you got a little bit of money for the beta. And so, I yeah. know you went through lots of things as you were uh, getting that fully, fully uh, developed. The beta went really well. And it went well because we were using Plaid, and at the time, Plaid was pretty nascent into the um, data aggregation um, industry. So data aggregation, Yodli was the biggest, and, and that's where they scrape your transactions every night, and they provide them to financial institutions or to fintechs like us. And we use that information to, to um, uh, help our app function. But with that... And these are, these are, this is um, secure data that is appropriately scraped for reasons like your t t complete transactions for people. Yes, I mean, all the large financial institutions use these organizations yeah. to scrape data. In fact, Yodley, who started, I think, 20 years ago, their technology is embedded within financial planners and a financial advisors um, yeah. platform so that they, this is another thing, Steve, that started um, me pushing, motivate, motivating me to move forward more quickly is that my brother's a financial planner. He had this platform where we input all of my information, my mortgage, my checking, my credit cards, my insurance, and he had access to see all of my, um, all of my 
personal finances and could give me my net worth at a push of a button any day of, of the week. So I said, Peter, wait a minute. What if I say I want to change financial planners and move it to someone else? I have to do this all over again, right? He said, well, hell yeah, I paid a lot of money for this. And I thought, wait a second. I should control that information. I can, should control that data. I should give you access instead of having to move it around. And so that's when I realized, okay, we really got to nail this down. And so Yodley and Plaid are data aggregators. There's other ones like FinCity. So we used Plaid. Plaid, um, since Yodley was out there for, at that time was like 15 years, they were the dinosaur. But I thought they were the Cadillac or the Mercedes. You know, I was really excited. I knew I wanted to move from Plaid to Yodley when we came up with our MVP, our minimum, minimum viable product. So first fail, first error, was not doing enough due diligence on um, Yodley to realize what a dinosaur they were in their integrations because when we changed over to them, everything broke. So Plaid was a smooth integration when you link your bank account. So in all these apps, whether it's Mint, Digit, Acorns, any of those, Robinhood. You these are all the things that people don't know about that are running the system. <laughs> yeah, that they're using behind the scenes. Behind yeah. the scenes. This is they're what you, when you're on internet banking, this is the kind of stuff that's operationalizing and executing for you on your behalf. It's these They're giving you this user experience that allows you to engage with your data and your finances in ways that you could never otherwise do. Yeah. And you don't have to pull it all together, so they do it for you. So in doing so, that costs money to change that integration over. It also, we, we changed up how people were going to onboard, how they signed and linked into their bank, so that costs additional funds to do that. And then um, what we took forward with us was go, we also participated in an accelerator in Charlotte, North Carolina. And at that time, that, that resource there was helping to enrich and strengthen kind of our, our business model and, um, yeah, I guess the user experience. I mean, it was, it was an interesting experience. So that. at this time, though, this is about 2018. Right. You're still... You're still Learning and testing and developing a a minimal product. Minimum viable product, right? Yeah. That that would be acceptable in the marketplace. And, and the people here in Red Wing, Minnesota, and that are kind of the people using it and working with you on these. You know, they're the ones who are putting yeah. information right. in and trying to use it, and they're trying to figure out whether it works and all that kind of stuff. Right. There's a lot of skepticism, of course, in when you're linking your bank accounts to something that you don't know is that secure. Yeah. And you can't blame people. I mean, there's so much going on. But we had all the security that was required um, to protect your data. You can't get on AWS, Amazon Web Services, or Web Server, um, without meeting certain criteria. You can't get into the App Store without meeting certain criteria. So we had all of those protocols down. I can't remember what all the names of that security um, is. But um, in doing so, all of that costs money. So to your point about where, do, where does this money go? So. When we engage with an organization like Plaid or Yodley that scrapes um, your, your finances or your users' finances every day, you have to have a minimum amount, and you could, we paid $2,000 um, a month for one of those vendors. AWS, you have to pay, it was about another close to $1,000. And then you have Dwala, which was doing our ACH processing, that was $500 a month. Then I had to pay my, um, my loan for the Port Authority back, I mean, there was all these payments that were just stiff in there while you're trying to prove and redevelop your product. You're spending so much money, but you're not getting very far very fast because I couldn't hire 
the type of horsepower I needed within the development side of it because that is extremely costly. Yeah, yeah. So you were bootstrapping. Bootstrapping, yes, <laughs> all the way. You're asking people to do things and you're not paying them and you're, you're promising them an opportunity to potentially earn um, their money back through options. And I won't go down that track, but they're, they're working for no pay, but they're, get, they're building up presumably equity. So, so you're, you're in what we call kind of the valley of death, trying to survive, right? You're, you're, wandering, the the, you're wandering the desert, <laughs> trying to get that. Spending money, trying to get the app work, trying to be frugal with you know, the money that you have, which isn't much, and begging and borrowing and doing what you can to get the, to get the minimal viable product. And so after 2018, when, it, when did you get to the point that you felt you had a minimal viable product and you could really demonstrate that how this would work for folks? So once we hit the App Store, we demonstrated that it would work, that that integration that everybody said could never work, it was too complicated, you're boiling the ocean, et cetera, et cetera. It worked and people wanted to use it. But the problem now, I said, was Yodli. So people would link their bank accounts and for a week it would, it would work and then it would break. Why would it break? There's something that's called... Um, dual factor authentication, two factor mm -hmm. authentication, where you have to, you know, you get a, a text to your phone. Many people, and it depends on what your age is, had their home phone listed as their primary phone number at their bank. So sure. you can't send a text to a landline. Yeah, so they were asking for a text, but it was to their landline. To they the didn't landline, even know and so it kept breaking. We couldn't find out why. That took us, that took us a long time to figure out why that, why that was happening, but it kept breaking, and so it was, and every time we would uh, fix something, it would be another week before we could test it again because all, everything batched in weeks, in a week's process. It, it was so, um, yeah, aggravating so, to yeah, say, yeah. That's the world of software development, right? You know, you're gonna try something and people are gonna use it and someone's gonna, an error's gonna pop up. Someone randomly, yeah, and they're gonna have to figure out what the error is. In, in the, uh, and there's so many things that, that, that could cause that error. You don't know, and, it, and everything has to be dissected. So you really need that support team. When you have one person that is developing your app, one person, you might have some that are in India, we did, and the time zone is another thing, and communication, and culture. Um, but you have to constantly be dissecting where did that come from. You can fix that and you can break something else yeah. while you're fixing yeah. it. Yeah. So, so then, what was the next? What was the next phase where you sort of reached a plateau of success that could prove a key milestone? And what was that milestone? And then, what was the next achievement you had to you had to get? So interesting. Um, we we limped along for a good year using Yodli, which was I I kept wanting that to work because I saw Yodli as our exit because they were doing all of this stuff for the financial analysts and the financial advisors. I thought, we're perfect. We're the next stage for them to reach consumers, to be their um, consumer business to consumer um, option or offering. So um, at that time, I kept, kept going, kept going, but then we qualified for a grant from the Launch Minnesota. So Launch Minnesota was launched for the first time in 2019. And so we applied for their innovation grant fund and we got approved for that at the end of 2019. We did not get the funding and we were, we were out of funding. I mean, I was having um, some investors and board members write checks every single month to try to help me keep the business going with AWS, with Plaid and with, with um, Yodley at the time. Or, yeah, uh, Dwala. 
So then when we got that innovation grant and COVID hit, we decided, wait a minute, let's keep and preserve the, that cash, take the app off the app store so we're not, that money isn't going out every month. And then we decided that we would use that to redesign um, the, the app and the onboarding process and to switch to Plaid. And we were already in the process of switching so to Plaid. So basically you took your app kind of off the market. Yeah. So that you yeah. could go and re-architect it. For a year, yeah. which I never thought it would be a year, but it was well worth it. I mean, COVID was a blessing to us in so many ways because it gave us that cover, if you will, for why we could take it off of the app store. I always thought that was a big failure. We'd never get back out there again. Nobody would, would believe in us, but anyway, it worked to our favor this time. And then we, we engaged with um, interns from higher ed here in Southern Minnesota with uh, Winona State University, with St. Mary's University out of Rochester and Winona, and then St. Olaf College and University. These interns all had their programs um, uh, shot down. So once COVID hit, these institutions like US Bank, General Mills, they ended their, um, their, their internship programs. So we had an opportunity then to tap into these talented, top talented, um, highly um, qualified students to be interns for us. So we took, we identified students that aligned with each one of our pillars. So we would have someone that's interested in, in data analytics, someone that's interested in marketing, someone that's interested in um, coding um, with us. And then we aligned them to our peer leaders. And so it was, it was what I said was um, co-mentoring because our leaders would teach strategy, systems, structure, risk management to these students. At the same time, they were learning from the students who was our target audience or, or a portion of our a segment of our tar target audience. And so it was fascinating on how we were learning from each other as we were going along. It was one of the best things that could have happened from us. And I really, truly believe that um, the, the ecosystem, if you will, the startup ecosystem, needs to look at that more deeply and more intentionally and how to engage these students, whether it's even in high school. We had one high school student from Rochester who was a real prodigy. I mean, she was fantastic on how she came alongside and gave us her insights and even did some coding, but she was really working in our CRM system. So anyway, that's, that's what Great. we did to get to the yeah. next level. So, so then um, tell me a little bit about um, um, the process that you went through that uh, maybe you didn't even know you were in this process uh, until after it started, uh, that culminated in the acquisition by the uh, Michigan State uh, University Credit Union. Yeah, I, I mean, what a ride, and it has been now almost a year. So I pitched, I, I mean, I pitched every event, you know that, and I'm not a very good pitcher, if you will, and so when COVID hit, that was another benefit of COVID, I could do it virtually. And that took me off a stage, which I don't like to stand on a stage, which didn't look like that last night, though. But it, um, we pitched to a, a group called the MDC, which is the Member um, Development Corp or something like that. It's a group of credit unions that are looking at new technologies to help the credit union industry. And so we always wanted a um, strategic investor. I never, ever wanted to have a venture capital investment because they aren't looking at the organization as a whole, they're looking at money, 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 you know, their, their return, they don't really care, and they're, they're managing other people's money. I totally get that. But we wanted someone that shared our values, that we were checking a box, that they were looking for technology that could deliver on their, on their values and their mission. 
And so the credit union industry, I found an old um, deck that I did uh, back in 2015 where I said, why credit unions? And credit unions align with our, our values because they're giving back to their community. They're not a profit-driven organization. They're nonprofits. They're about giving back to their members. And, and their members, are um, they live and work and um, worship in their communities. And so it's all about this synergistic relationship. And so it was perfect. They saw us, and then we, um, we met and discussed, hey, would you like to pilot our, um, our technology? And um, yep, yep, we'll do that. So September we pitched, October was our first meeting. Yes, they'll pilot our program. November was the next meeting. I said, okay, well, we're looking for a savings account. We wanted an easy way for people to set up a savings if they didn't have it, because 65% of millennials didn't have savings accounts. They used their, their um, checking account to do that, or Venmo. So they said, yeah, we'd love to be your savings account. That's great, you know, new customers for us. All right, then the next month is, well, if you're gonna do that, would you be interested in doing our ACH processing, you know, processing all the payments that would come through the app? Yeah, 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 we'd like to do that. That was December. Well, then I said, well, if you're going to do that, we're coming out with a round now. We're raising $2.5 million. Would you like to invest in that round? Yeah, yeah. We were actually thinking about starting a fund. So as you heard from April Clobis last night, the CEO of the Michigan State University Federal Credit Union, she said that they were assessing what they were going to do with fintech, and they were looking at different fintechs, but they couldn't invest as a credit union. Right. And so they, this now was a spark for them to start and create a holding company that was um, kind of a buffer or firewall between the credit union and, and our business. And so that's how that got started. Right, so, it's for, so, so there's restrictions on financial institutions on, on uh, how they can or cannot make equity investments uh, because it's like a firewall in the uh, financial uh, world um, between lenders and equity providers for all kinds of complicated reasons. But, mm -hmm. but what I think is so interesting, and April talked about it, is here was a financial institution that had a vision about getting into developing fintech type uh, opportunities to bring to the to the uh, credit union marketplace and and you were the spark that cr that created a, made, that required them to create a new entity a holding company mm -hmm. in order to be able to implement that strategy and then you were the first uh, acquisition really for that strategy so so they talked about this last night they talked about for them the importance uh, for acquiring you was shared values and vision and so maybe and, and that's been a theme th throughout your uh, history uh, so talk a little bit about uh, your thinking in terms of resource allocation, resource acquisition, in fact, even hiring and firing and letting people go and how values and vision are so important to you and how you sort of navigate that in your daily life. Yeah, um, you have to know what your values are so that you can understand and align them with your investors, with your board of directors, with the people that you hire because if you're not values aligned, you're not going to be able to have healthy um, robust conversations and, and difficult conversations when you come to a crossroads on which direction you should go, whether it be strategic, organizational, or tactical. And so if your values aligned, you can have those conversations that draw them back to the values. Does this align with our values? Does this align with our core mission and our core beliefs? And so I had aligned myself with a, some board members, one board member in particular, that I thought we were values aligned and ended up not being, and that was, that, that was a disaster. 
And I think I remember some conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and you helped me through them, <laughs> honestly, Steve. So um, that was one aspect of it. And then also, I, you know, one thing I would say is never, um, and I was counseled this and I didn't believe it, I think you were one that said it, is don't have your lawyer be on your board. Your lawyer needs to be able to give you unvarnished, um, unbiased advice, and there can't be any conflict of interest. And I, I had that going on my, on my board. Um, and it didn't come up until the very end of it. So when we, were, when we would um, tap into resources out there to, um, to engage with our organization and deliver their expertise, so we had technology, we had banking, we had marketing, PR, um, investment and then in the startup community so that was I mean and I'll tell you what when you get board members when you have investors you want people that have had hopefully some element of experience within the startup realm your advice is going to be so different when you get people that understand from where you're at uh, where you're coming from where you're at and where you're going people that have just been in the corporate world um, or haven't worked at all but are wealthy their advice, while it might be helpful in some ways and, and good and you have to listen, um, it, it doesn't have the context of what you're going through as a, a gritty um, entrepreneur and they don't understand. Yeah. You have to have everything perfect in their mind. It's like, you need to do this, you we, need to do this. Yes, 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 I want to do all of that. But <laughs> we, have, we have a saying in the, in the equity world, the side that, I'm, that I sit on mostly, is that you have two kinds of investors even. You have the... Uh, you have the entrepreneurs that have made money and now are investors. And uh, what they've done in their lifetime is they sat down on a Friday and they called every single customer they know to collect their receivables so they could make payroll on Monday. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the professional managers where they went in and they had corporations that actually had resources and they did grow those, but they had, they had access to capital and access to management expertise and, and, and a, and, and really the authority that startups don't really have. Mm -hmm. And so their context is just different because their managers, not risk takers. Right. And the entrepreneurs, are the, they understand the risk takers. So that, that's important. So tell me, so speaking of that advice, uh, tell me, uh, I have, these are three connected questions. So uh, I'd like you to uh, tell me uh, one sage, insightful, piece of advice that was uh, important to you and made a difference to you and then I, and that you accepted and implemented. I'd like you to uh, tell me one piece of what would be sage advice but you rejected and why you rejected it because you know it, there's often you get good advice but you shouldn't necessarily proceed mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. take that advice. And then if you were going to provide another entrepreneur with some of your own sage advice, what would that be? So three interrelated questions. So the advice on what I got and uh, what I took and what I kept with that um, would be probably, um, you know, know your true north. I mean, I got that all the time about focus, 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 just stay focused. And, and I would get that from people um, that I greatly admired. And, you know, stick with it. If you believe in it, stick with it. And then just, you, you can, you know, push it forward by remaining focused and not get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. Now, the second part of this kind of relates to that and it almost um, contradicts it, which is our app is an all-in-one app. So you might recall, I mean, there was a lot of discussion around boiling the ocean. You know, can you just focus on one thing? Because um, 
it looks like you're fractured and you don't know what you're doing and all this. I mean, it was just all the, this, these, um, this advice. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to it because I knew exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to create, um, organization out of chaos because you're opening up now five different apps at a minimum. You know, if, if there's many other apps that you could do to a lot of, to do a lot of other things that our one app could do. You walk into a bank, do you just go in there to make a deposit? No. You get a mortgage, you can get insurance, you can get a savings, you can, you can get a credit card, you can get all these things. Why not have that when you open up an app, you're walking through a door of a bank? So, we're, we're, so we're, some people saw you as unfocused and chaotic. Yeah. In your mind, you're going, no, no, the whole point of this is to take that unfocused and chaotic stuff and make it into an app that allows people to be more focused. Exactly. And, we give and so your true north was that, was, yep. was that element of it. And so, so the context is that it wasn't that it was bad advice. It was just inappropriate advice for the insight that you had that you felt where's, where the market will be. So why did I name my company Live, Give, Save? That's kind of a ding-dong name. I mean, I never liked it for a company or a product name or a brand name. It was really to explain to investors what we're doing and that giving is at the center of what we're doing. But it's about how to live your life the way that you want to give to the causes that you care about and to save for a future that's secure. So those are the three things that I wanted to convey to investors of what we were trying to achieve. I always knew we would create a different brand for the product, which is Spave. You mentioned that earlier. Right. So Liv gives- And talk about how that was put together. It's two words put together. Yeah, a portmanteau is when you take two words and you make them into one. So Spave, S-P-A-V-E, um, is two words of spending and saving put together to create SPAVE. But it's also an acronym, and it goes back to your point about values. It stands for sharing, purpose, and values, value every day. So we believe every person has a purpose, and that how we spend our money tells us what's important to us, what are our priorities. If we have access, um, ready access to um, knowledge that is relevant to us, we will make more informed healthy decisions and we will live, give and save with purpose. So that's our core beliefs um, in, a, in a nutshell. But we're really, what we're doing is putting control, choice, confidence and convenience and community in the palm of the person's uh, individual's hand. Control is number one and that's what we heard in all of our research, research and choice for the top two. Great. So what advice would you give a uh, budding entrepreneur based on what you've uh, experienced so far? So I. I believe that all strategy is rooted in research, and so you have something that's been, um, you know, tickling your fancy or gnawing at you for years. You, you feel like there's a problem that you want to solve, something that you want to do. You need to validate that, and you can validate that very inexpensively to begin with. So you do your research. You go to talk to people. You talk to individuals that are within that realm, that are in that um, segment or that industry get information, read articles, um, follow uh, experts that are in that, and talk to people that are doing something similar. And so those are the things you get yourself as educated as you possibly can, um, and then write things down. Keep a, a journal of what you're thinking about at all times. You'll go back on that, you'll reflect on it. I mean, I go back to some of my writings and I just, I'm astounded in some of the pictures that you might have seen on the, the video last mm -hmm. night. I have, I have pictures of all of the whiteboards that I've done over the years. I mean, it's crazy. And a lot of them were here in this very building and in, and in this room. And 
you know, you just never know where those ideas are going to take you. And so please, you know, do your research, validate your ideas, talk to people, listen, 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 and just keep pushing it forward. Yeah, great, great advice. Uh, and, and finally, uh, uh, well, congratulations, but one more time, uh, go over for the folks that are listening to this, where they can download the app, okay. and then what expect expectations uh, they should have when they download the app. Yeah, you can go to either the App Store or Google Play. That was another thing that we did that we're out in uh, Google Play. Um, download the app and you link your bank accounts and you identify what And what's is, the name of the app again? The app is SPAVE, S-P-A-V-E, Sharing Purpose and Value Every Day. Um, and just link your bank accounts and identify what you want to save for your future vacation or whatever, um, what you want to give to. You can choose from up to one point. We have a database of 1.5 million accredited charities. So if your charity is accredited that you like, it's in there. You can search by your cause. What, what's important to you? Is it climate? Is it education? Is it international? Is it the tragedy um, and the issues and the crises in Haiti or, or Afghanistan? You can find that and we'll, we'll um, uh, we have charities that will support, that you can support in that. I also wanted to reinforce, though, Steve, about the um, about the Reseda Group and, and the uh, credit union, uh, Michigan State Credit Union, Federal Credit Union. This morning we had a debrief about what did we see, what did we learn, what did we hear last night. In April, the CEO of the credit union said she was amazed by what she heard from the people in that room that was about how supportive the ecosystem was of startup entrepreneurs and of founders and that people will invest in people that they trust. And the type of um, a blanket, she said, of support that came around me in particular. So now when they're analyzing new technologies and new startup founders, they're going to be looking at what is in that community, what, what is yeah, surrounding them. So that, that's great. I'm glad that you brought that up because the, the mission of the Appalachian Investor Alliance and the mission of the work I've done has been exactly that. It's, you know, for 40 years I've been telling people, you know, that we have good, uh, good smart young people that have ideas mm -hmm. and we do have capital. We have to get together and organize it and then we have to teach people how to think about this so that we can, we can uh, help people be successful. And it, and it takes a community. It takes a lot of different people. It takes a village. It takes a village up. <laughs> it takes... Red Wing Ignite and the Port Authority and the local banker and the Red Wing Shoes and the and the you mentioned the hairdresser that would come and help <laughs> you get ready and, and and you know a lot of different there's a lot of people and a lot of things that happen to make something to help something get over the threshold but here's and you also mentioned this here's what always seems to be common is is that they have a shared value and vision mm -hmm. and that and that you create a trust and understanding so if you are able to create tr trust and understanding in that shared vision, you're able to acquire resources around you to hopefully help you achieve uh, your goals. And you've done that, and I, I congratulate you. And I think uh, uh, Red Wing is going to uh, enjoy seeing the growth of this company as you go into your next phase with your, with your company, the, the Michigan State University or, uh, Federal Credit Union. So congratulations, and thank you for taking time and sharing our story with you. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. And I also want to acknowledge and um, appreciate what you do for founders and startups like myself. Um, we wouldn't have this. I, we, we talked early on. You've been there all with me throughout all of this. There's a reason why it's called angel investors. Um, they are angels indeed. And everyone that was in that room last night was an angel in a different aspect. Yeah, so. That's great. Well, thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And be sure you go and check that like sign. You know how this works in this business. The more likes you have, 
the better off you are and the more people will notice it. And we're doing this for a cause, to raise money for this fellowship program that I told you about. Stay tuned in to our social media channel, YouTube, Facebook, and don't forget to donate. It goes to a good cause. Only 3,700 miles to Portland, Maine. Woohoo!